Hey there, podcast listener. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where each and every week, the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader and investor. For more information, products, services, and detailed show notes, including a transcript for this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the news and media tab in the navigation. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. And as normal, I, I, I regularly go through research that I've gathered over the years and you know, I've got bucket loads of spreadsheets and files of all sorts of research that I've found from everywhere. And today I was just going through looking for some stuff and I found a, um, a paper or an article um, that was called Noise Trader Risk in Financial Markets. And it was written by um, like Harvard University professors and uh, etc. way back in 1989. And so yeah, I've been collecting stuff on their markets for a, a hell of a long time. And uh, this one was, as, as I said, Noise Trader Risk in Financial Markets. So it's about um, my take on the whole bit of paper is about individual investors and or traders all lumped into sort of a, a bracket or speculators I suppose is another way of saying it against industry type so it's but uh, so it's a bit about how the industry gets affected by individual type of traders now notwithstanding whether they're educated or not but um, it's quite an interesting little bit of a read and finding out how people's find uh, how people trade and how that actually works in the market and, and just turn over my page and have a look I'm just going to read from the first couple of pages and I'll and it is quite high level in terms of academic um, languaging and everything in it because obviously it's an academic paper um, and on page two it says the, it's titled abstract which will probably give you a hint on that um, but I'll just read some of the sections then I'll discuss my thoughts on that in terms of how the market unfolds and what's going on here um, and he said we present a simple overlapping generations model of an asset market in which irrational noise traders with erroneous stochastic beliefs both affect prices and earn and earn higher expected returns so in essence what they're saying is people like me make better returns or people like you if you're a bit of a trader the unpredictability of noise traders' beliefs creates a risk in the price of the asset that deters rational arbitrages, or in other words, the industry type of people, from aggressively betting against them. As a result, price can diverge significantly from fundamental values, even in the absence of fundamental risk. Moreover, bearing a disproportionate amount of risk that they themselves create enables noise traders to earn a higher expected return than do rational investors. Now what I take from that really is he, they talk about in terms of the industry being rational investors who use economic models to invest as opposed to people that don't use those and to me the take is that what they term irrational noise traders are people like myself or other traders out there in the market and saying that we do um, irrational things but to us we're very rational in what we're doing because obviously you know, at, you know teaching traders and being a trader myself you know we have a strategy we have a plan we have signals we have a in terms of a business plan we know exactly what we're doing and when we're doing it and why we're doing it but to an industry they don't necessarily understand people like us because they have economic models that they go to 
or go, go use to actually determine their pricing models or what they're going to pay for shares or what how they're going to manage their portfolio. I'll go on just to finish this little bit of the abstract, which is, as I said, page two. The model sheds lights on a number of financial anomalies, including the excess volatility of access a, a asset prices, the mean reversion of stock returns, the underpricing of closed-end mutual fund, and the Mira Prescott equity premium puzzle. I'm not sure what that last bit is, but if anybody knows, you can shoot me an email and explain it to me. Otherwise, I'll have to Google that myself. But basically, it, again, it's just saying that to me, traders can outperform the marketplace. All these irrational noise traders can outperform the marketplace. Now, on page three, it goes on to say, if the reader interjects, there must surely be large profits to be gained in the long run by a skilled individual who purchases investments on the best genuine long-term expectations he can frame. He must be answered, and there are such serious-minded individuals, and then it makes a vast difference to an investment market whether or not they predominate whether they predominate. Um, we must also add that there are several factors which jeopardize the predominance of such individuals in modern investment markets. Investments based on genuine long-term expectation is so difficult as to be scarcely practicable. Practicable, I think I said that correctly. Who, he who attempts it must surely run greater risk than he who tries to guess better than the crowd how the crowd will behave. And that was written by John Maynard Keyes in 1936. So in, essentially, he's actually saying, don't try any long-term expect, expectations on a market or buying or investing on long-term expectation is extremely difficult. And I'm assuming he's saying that seriously because volatility in the markets can't be predicted and how the economies will unfold depending on situations that might unfold can be quite difficult. Um, and so I thought that was an interesting statement, one from 1936. Now remember, in this paper, it was written in 1986 to 89. It was all finally produced in 1989. So we're talking well over 20-odd years ago. And the same things are happening now today as what they were happening back then, especially when it comes to investment psychology. On page three, it also goes on to say there's considerable evidence that many investors do not follow economists' advice to buy and hold the market. Individual investors typically fail to diversify holding instead a single stock or a small number of stocks. Um, they often pick stocks through their own research or on the advice of the likes of um, somebody from Wall Street. Uh, when investors do diversify, they entrust their money to stock-picking mutual funds, which charge them high fees while failing to beat the market. Such investors with no access to inside information ir irrationally act on noise as if it were information that would give them an edge. Isn't that interesting? I could have talked to you about that as of today and it'd be exactly just as relevant to today as it was back in 1989 when this was actually written and all those all that research. Because typically, if you read the member of my last podcast, I was talking about the ASX um, shareholder survey. And in there, the, in a lot of the surveys I've seen, the typical investor in Australia only holds a very small number of shares. They do their own research or they go to stock picking things. Um, and that to me is, is, and as I said, this is more than 25 years ago, this was re released. So as an individual or as a society, we're not evolving it in, as investors and we're not recognising that there is a better way than doing it the way it's always been done. I'll go on to just finish this off this page and it says, despite the recognition of the abundance of noise traders in the market, and I'm assuming again that they sort of mean 
active investors or traders. Economists feel safe ignoring them in most discussions of asset price formation. The argument against the importance of noise traders for price formation has been forcibly made by Friedman in 1953. Both authors point out that irrational investors are met in the market by rational arbitrages who trade against them and in the process drive prices close to fundamental values. Moreover, in the course of such trading, those judgments of asset values are sufficiently mistaken to affect prices, lose money to arbitrages, and so eventually disappear from the market. The argument that speculation is destabilizing is largely equivalent to saying that speculators lose money. Interesting, isn't it? One of these, basically what they're actually saying here is, is, is that the industry try and trade against it's basically ordinary Australians in terms of investors and or traders like myself. And they're using their systems to be able to do that. But they don't price us into the model, basically. I think really that's what it's saying. And, and as I said, it's a lot of high-level um, high words in this. And as I said, it, it is you know put out by some Harvard University people, so I would expect that sort of stuff anyway. But it is so simple to trade and to make good money on the market if you don't do what the big players do. Uh, and this is where I always say that people or individuals have such greater power in the market because we can move in and move out quickly, we can manage our portfolios better, we can manage that risk better, and we don't need to worry about all the information that the industry gets into. And probably one of the biggest things that I get from people looking to get into the share market, investors or traders that is, uh, I get it from both um, people, is that there's so much information out there, what do I do, and there's confusion about what information. And the biggest thing that, or the biggest hint that I can uh, give to you or anybody who is maybe not in the market as much as they like because there's some sort of fear they're holding you back, or maybe who's just dipping their toe into the water at the moment, or some even some of uh, the people that have been doing it for a long time, is make your life really, really simple. Um, and so if it is getting a bit overwhelming, just get rid of a lot of the information sources you have because really you should only have a very small pieces or small um, amount of research coming in because it does affect your thinking and you know you can doesn't matter how big or small you are as an investor you can uh, affect your portfolio returns by the decisions you make um, hopefully you enjoyed this little bit of uh, as i said there's only the first three pages of this report and i thought some of the comments uh, they make were quite interesting in terms of uh, more of highlighting that the market doesn't change you know times change but people don't and how things work don't doesn't really change technology really hasn't changed things too much because modern trading technology wasn't around in those times you know we're only just really getting into computers in 1989 or 86 89 you know the Australian stock exchange only finally merged completely in 87 with some a limited number of um, computer-generated trading or the systems in 1987. So in this period, there wasn't a lot of, as I said, technology around in it. It's about how humans invest and how humans trade. So just take it easy um, on the market. The market's looking really, really good at the moment, and I think there's going to be some great opportunities coming up very, very soon. So good luck, good trading, and I'll talk to you next time. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. For more information, products and services, and detailed show notes with a transcript for this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the News and Media tab in the navigation.